What's up, everyone? Welcome to our review of The Mandalorian, chapters 13, 14, 15, The Jedi, The Tragedy, and The Believer. Uh, obviously, we're lumping everything together uh, because we have been on a impromptu break and scheduled break, so here we go. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. And so everyone knows this review will be mostly spoiler content. So this is your friendly warning. If you haven't seen any of these, please leave, watch those, and then, you know, scurry back. That would be great. And we're going to clump everything together. Uh, so we might, you know, we're not going to dis discuss each episode by itself. We're just going to go over the things we love, the things we don't love, and nitpick it to hell. So, John, you ready? Yes, I'm ready, Chris. Are you ready? I am so excited to talk about these. It's been fantastic to watch but uh for me with these three episodes i've got to say it has been a wild ride that i have very much enjoyed and i'm curious to see have you enjoyed this kind of this this arc that we've been getting with the mandalorian yeah i mean when we were watching season one uh, I remember talking about how a lot of the episodes I hoped would give us better perspective in season two and that they wouldn't just be little one-off episodes, but um, everything that I thought was just kind of like a shot in the dark and like a, a random episode in season one has come to fruition in season two. Um, everything with Bill Burr's character, with um, Fennec Shand, with uh, Boba Fett actually being in the show um, and all those theories being confirmed, it's... I mean, I, I've thought about it, and I think the reason why they've named all the episodes chapters instead of episode um, is because we have to look at this like a book, and that the entire story for this series is already laid out ahead of time, and that we're just getting bits of the pieces um, uh, one by one here, rather than um, each episode having its own closed story, and each season being its own little arc, we're looking at the entire narrative of the story um and so every time we get a little episode like this we're gonna have questions but i think we can't just be impatient and expect all the answers to be given to us um and spoon fed to us like children uh, <laughs> it's it pays off dividends when we get to sit back and watch the story unfold like they've intended um and i i think it's just gone to show how great of storytellers feloni and favreau are yeah, I would definitely agree with that and how I wasn't expecting the season two, season one tie-ins with how I did not like the very middle of season one because it did feel like today's adventure or filler as what we in the internet would call it or in the anime community as well. But I really, one thing I really enjoyed about these three middle episodes is how, or rather in later in the season, but I, I really love how they handled the Ahsoka character. Ahsoka Tano and the Jedi. We're getting Grogu. We got Baby Yoda communicating with Ahsoka. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ahsoka. And we get a better understanding that Grogu has a choice here. And I obviously there's a lot of Disney announcements that have happened recently about Mandalorian, how it's about to pan out. But I loved that this series this series still focuses on the Mando. That was my big concern was that, hey, now that we've introduced Ahsoka Tano, we're going to be focusing on more Jedi stuff. No, this show is still focusing on the Mandalorian, past Mandalorians, and, you know, Baby Yoda, because we've seen Baby Yoda in every episode. Baby Yoda has been in every episode until the most recent one, 
in chapter 15. So that was a huge weight off my shoulder when looking at this. But is is there anything is there anything in these past few episodes that you were were expecting and it turned out better than you anticipated? Um, I, I think the character moments in chapter 15 between Bilber's character and, um, or Mayfeld, I should say, and Mando were really, I think, really well written. Um, I mean, because Mayfeld comes off as this just very brash character. Boston. Um, yeah. <laughs> the planet Boston. Boston. Exactly. Um, and he's, he's very Bilber. But then when he gets in the moment and they sit down at the table with that Imperial officer and they're talking about Operation Cinder and how he watched all of his his friends and uh, and and members or like tro- other troopers. He watched them burn. Um, you really feel the weight of everything that he's been through. And then Mando realizes that he's much more layered and complicated than he originally thought. And he has a whole intense backstory behind him, too. Um and and then to see the mutual respect that they had um i think i think just that whole episode and that whole scene played out much much more satisfyingly than i i anticipated yeah because people from planet boston internalize all of their feelings Um, exactly (laughs) no i'm kidding i'm kidding even though you know i would agree people from the northeast do like to bust bust people's chops and it's because that's what you got to do uh uh, you bring up such a great point because while they are having that conversation with the Night King, which yes, I I, I saw like on Twitter that that's the actor who plays the Night King, which is pretty. That's cool. where I recognized him from. Oh my god! Yeah, the the, the Night King is talking to Mando and uh, Mayfield. It's pretty great. Oh, I thought he looked and sounded familiar. <laughs> but he well, Night King doesn't say anything. Well, no, but I've seen him in, in back like behind the scenes stuff. Oh, but yeah, yes, 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 yes. So. I, when it comes to chapter 15 and what you're, what you're going through, the character moments of Bill Burr uh, or Mayfield, when he is hearing this officer talk about Operation Cinder, which is from, once again, picking out lore, and it's so expertly done. So, because Filoni knows how to just incorporate something from lore into an episode and not make it the big focus. Oh, yeah, well, I was there for Operation Cinder, which is from star wars battlefront 2 that came out a couple years ago you know it's not like solo where it's like hey look the dice remember kira the dice and then you get it also in episode 8 yo these dice are lucky it's like stop throwing it in my face this was fantastic i loved i loved this interaction i loved the intensity it almost felt like the masterful tension that you get from tarantino's scene with the with uh and 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 glorious bastards when it's the the farm scene and the milk Mm. it felt like that kind of tense obviously not as good i will say that but it it gave me that feeling which made me think the directing in this is this 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 show is going to places that i thought star wars would not do because everyone makes fun of george lucas for not being the greatest of directors but having a fantastic vision so I would agree, like, chapter 15 hits some really incredible character moments. And it was really great also to see a lot of fear on Mando's face when he takes off the helmet. And Din Djarin just looks completely lost. Yeah. As a character. Like, he, the concern on his face is so incredible 
Uh, so I, I really did enjoy that a One lot. One thing I did notice that I saw, I saw somebody else had pointed out was that when he takes his helmet off and he's interacting with other characters or looking in any direction, he never uses his peripheral vision um, because he's had he's had to wear his helmet his entire life, and so he wouldn't have that. And so that character choice to be aware and to act upon the fact that like whenever he turns, he has to turn his entire head and look them face to face. Um, he and even when Bill Burr um, sits on the table after the officer is shot. He doesn't look Mando in the eyes because he recognizes that respect that he has for him, and he doesn't want to disrespect his his traditions. And he says, "Nope, I never saw your face. Here's your helmet," um, and, and they're able to just kind of play it off like that. But then the fact that whenever he's he's shooting or shooting people, and Mando's looking, he doesn't just kind of like look up at out of the corner of his eye. He has to swivel around because he doesn't know how to use peripheral vision. I did not notice that. I'll have to go through and look at that again, but. Uh, we were talking. We're talking a lot about uh, this stuff in episode fifteen, which I th- it's a lot better than I thought it was going to be from the beginning. But I'm curious, what are your thoughts on how they brought Boba Fett back? Because I know we got the tease in chapter nine that he would be coming back because we get the shot of him. Well, how do you think? Do you think this entry? this introduction back to Boba Fett it was well done by Filoni or do you not like the idea? No, I mean, I, I think they did it in a, in a good way. Um, I, to be honest, man, I think they really did the character justice because he's gotten a lot of flack over the years about being a terrible bounty hunter and, <laughs> and just being completely inept in everything that he does. But then to see him in action, just destroying those stormtroopers and seeing the armor shatter like we haven't ever seen before um i thought really uh really added a whole new element to the to the character itself and i mean if you're gonna introduce boba fett why not just throw him in on slave one in the first 30 seconds of the of the episode and just hit the ground running um and for him to bring back finnick shand i mean it, it shows that he he's a good strategist he's a great warrior um i i really enjoyed having him back and having him on the show um and i think i i think i'm enjoying the character a lot more than i thought i would initially (laughs) yeah and i seeing boba fett be be really hardcore and then bringing rich or who is it rodriguez what was the robert robert rodriguez to to come and do this episode and I think he did an interview where I think he did an interview with Collider and basically he is really well known in the industry for cutting down his scripts. So let's say he's a script that's like, uh, you know, he's got a script for a movie and it's like, oh, this is uh, 120 minutes. I'm going to break it down to 60 minutes and then fill it with stuff uh, is generally what happens. And so when he said when he got the script and jo- that John Favreau gave him, he's like, this this is gonna take twelve minutes, and you know, I think he said that John Favreau looked at him, yeah, that's why you're here, <laughs> which is to <laughs> fill it up with a bunch of action. So it was kind of he was talking about how it was great that he was able to fill it with stuff that he found like a lot of fun, and he used, he talked about how he had the Boba Fett. He remember seeing Episode Five and the the kind of tease of Boba Fett in the kind of uh, cartoons that they had before uh, Empire Strikes Back came out. So that mm-hmm. was really cool and to see him do such a great job with 
Boba Fett showing the gaffy stick destruction, like ripping those stormtroopers to shreds. I really loved that. Now, uh, I do have a question about what did you... Now, what did you think about the seeing stone and Grogu being taken? Did you did you like that? Do you think it's a little lazy? What are your what what were your feelings coming away with that? I mean, just kind of with the perspective we have now after season one, I it the seeing stone is one of those things where I think we're going to look back and realize that was the introduction of a really creative and intense moment that is going to pay off probably in season three. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to hold my judgment for them to pay it off. I mean, it, it looked cool. I think the way that they distorted Manda's voice when he was talking to Grogu, um, was, was a really interesting choice. Everything about it seemed like really well thought out and intentional. So they obviously have a plan with it. Um, and I, I think the only downside about that episode were the dark troopers so far Um, (laughs) just because they just flew down they grabbed him they flew up they didn't do anything so their their initial introduction seemed to be subpar um and i hope that we get to see a little bit more of them in action um by the end of the season but i mean because that you're introducing a pretty incredible threat from every other mention that they've been in in previous content um so to finally have them in live action like this and then just to have them land and then take off again, it, 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 they could definitely be doing a lot more. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, whatever they introduce big things like the Seeing Stone and have Grogu reach out to other Jedi, it it's definitely something that they're going to pay off down the road and they have now have a proven track record for doing things like that. Yeah, I saw some people complaining about how the Dark Troopers kind of lame. I'm okay with it. I'm happy with how they came because we didn't get to see them be like intended in... We don't know what they can do yet, which adds more speculation for us. So I'm fine with that. Now, if they do something completely lame, that'll be more critical. But, you know, as far as them flying onto the ground, capturing Grogu and then going back up, I'm not going to... I'm not going to nitpick it, but I totally understand why other people are doing it too because... You build it up in the previous episode, and then we don't get any payoff, so I get it. But I want to ask you now, what do you think about Ahsoka? Because Dave Filoni did chapter 13. Yes. And he was, and he, of course he was going to direct that because it's Ahsoka is, is coming into the show. So that's his, his baby. That's his, that's his creation is Ahsoka Tano. How do you think they handled it as someone who you yourself has watched the Clone Wars and uh, is halfway through Rebels? Yeah, I mean, you could definitely tell that it was a passion project for Filoni. Um, and even beyond just the Ahsoka stuff, but like the the, st- the style and the genres that they interwove with the, the different themes of the episode. I mean, on the interior of that big Citadel, um, it was, it was a very Japanese theme. Um, on the outside, it was more of a Western type of theme. And those are the two major influences of star Wars as a whole. So, you know, that Filoni did that very intentionally because he's honoring what has come before him. Um, and, and what Lucas really intended for the series to be, uh, so I, I, that was a huge nod to George Lucas himself and his original vision. But then um, I think I think he did a great job with Ahsoka. Um, I think Rosario Dawson did a, 
did a great job as the character. Um, it's one of those things where you have uh, an animated character being introduced in live action and where you have, you're used to seeing the physics play out in the cartoon and then you see her in real life and you obviously can't do the same things you can with a cartoon. Um, so the, the fight scenes initially, honestly, were a little weird because she's not as like agile and flippy as she is on, on uh, Clone Wars. Um, but I think the more it played out, the more you saw how great of a fighter she still is. And um, all of her lightsaber work was incredible. The fighting style was really well done. Um, it, overall, I mean, I was very impressed with it. And I can't wait to see more of her in the future. Did you, um, did, did you like the quick confrontation she had with Mando? Yeah, because I mean, even even when he tried to to capture her, um, she was still basically acting like a Jedi, and she was keenly aware of her surroundings. Uh, she was basically just having fun with him, and uh, as soon as he mentioned uh, the child and she saw him, I mean, her attitude completely changed. Um, so I mean, it was obviously very short lived, and he he knew he wasn't there to actually hurt her, but it was a fun little moment, I think, um, just just for us audience members yeah do you do you like the name grogu because i i'm happy with it i know a lot of people are upset like there's no y in it like yoda or like yodu or whatever they, they could do with that but i'm happy with or yogru whatever <laughs> i'm no. i'm happy with i'm happy with grogu because at first i didn't like it and then after you know a, after just more of hearing grogu i was like yeah it's fine yeah i mean when you if you're going to limit an entire species to names that start with Y or have a Y in them, it's going to get really dull really fast. Um, Is it? And I think, I mean, I think having three characters of the same species that all sound like they have the same name, um, I think, I think that'd be, it'd just be too weird to be honest. And I, it's not a bad name. It's a very Star Wars name. I, it really, I mean, the bigger thing to me, I think is the fact that he actually has a name um that was more of a of a shock to me than um than what the name itself was yeah uh, what yeah for me what got me with grogu that i didn't really like too much is like he went to through he what he lived in the jedi temple he had trained yeah. with other masters he survived uh order 66 that kind of got me a little bit more like okay so he he is a he's a padawan or a youngling rather than a padawan because he doesn't have a master i guess or so i'm assuming he doesn't have a master uh that that's what gets me more is like okay so he interacted with yoda obviously master yoda he saw he was at the jedi temple so why like how does he get there how does he get to the jedi temple do we know more about yoda's species because we didn't learn anything about yoda's species if that's the case like if it, it, it's still a mystery to us the audience and as far as we know it's still a mystery to ahsoka tano even though yoda and him are the same species we still don't know anything about the species and that kind of that that's my nitpick of that that's my kind of like that we should get more of that um or at least that should be the big mystery because it seems like it, it it has gone from hey Let's find him as people, which is the Jedi, and hopefully the Jedi can help us find his people into being like, oh, this is just centered around him being a Jedi and him training to be a Jedi, which I just want to know more about the Yoda people. I don't I don't want that to be left out of this equation. 
Well, see, that brings up another interesting point because if the show is called The Mandalorian, eventually they, I mean, I could see them having, like, writing Baby Yoda off the show in some way. So do you think that this show can exist without Baby Yoda if they have him go off and, and train to be a Jedi with somebody else and he leaves the show to some degree? Because um, I don't think they'll ever actually kill him off, but... Um, do you, or do you think that they're going to actually have to keep him with the Mandalorian for the remainder of the show? I think this show absolutely can survive without Grogu, without Baby Yoda, and I absolutely can see them getting rid of Grogu, Baby Yoda, as in killing him off. Uh, obviously, kids are attached to Baby Yoda, as some people have predicted, like, you know, their nephews and nieces and kids are watching it, and when baby yoda is taken away they they lose their shit <laughs> like kids are really upset about baby yoda getting captured by the empire so whatever you do with baby yoda you have to be highly acute and i know i keep on going between baby yoda and grogu i'm just gonna go to grogu now you have to be acutely aware of what you're doing and i would love to see grogu do a jedi style sacrifice because that's the mo that's the thing with Jedi is they do sacrifice themselves a lot, and I don't want to see that change in 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 this established lore of people sacrificing themselves. Luke does it in the in the sequels. Spoiler alert: um, <laughs> Obi Wan Kenobi sacrifices himself uh, for Luke. We we see it just uh, like it it happens. It, it almost felt like Qui Gon Jinn getting completely demolished by Darth Maul felt like a sacrifice because I'm like you're a master dude come on pull your own weight here but it, you know it is what it is we've we've, we've seen it before so uh Ajunta in Jedi Fallen Order uh, not Ajunta Paul uh one of the one of the masters who is the the master of the of the main protagonist you know sacrifices himself for his Padawan so there you go uh it, it's I I would like to see that happen in the Mandalorian, and I would still like to get a show that focuses on Boba Fett and Din Djarin maybe uniting Mandalore. That would be super dope. I mean, potentially they're they're already doing the Boba Fett prequel series. Um, they they haven't him. confirmed that. I right? mean, no, they've already started casting for it. The Boba Fett prequel series is that a yeah. rumor or is that confirmed? No, it's confirmed. What? Yeah, they've already started looking for people that are more like like street thug kind of characters. There's one that's supposed to be like uh, like witchy is one of the uh, descriptions. Um, so they thought maybe somebody that's like force sensitive, but it's him uh, leading up to the events of his introduction in The Mandalorian. That's going to take a lot of the mystique away about Boba Fett. That I don't agree with that. But, you know, maybe I'm in the minority because I know a lot of people loved Boba Fett. And I felt like his moment that we've gotten in the past two weeks is a 40 years in the making kind of event. And now we're just going to saturate everything with Boba Fett, which is what they kind of did with Han Solo. And look how that turned out. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm speculative about that. But, you know, I know that George Lucas loves Boba Fett. And he was originally supposed to be the big bad in the in the original trilogy mm -hmm. but oh well so do you have any kind of like speculation for how the finale is gonna go 
because that's it we only have one more episode before it's done yeah i obviously with what happened in chapter 15 it kind of narrows it for me is that they're going to assault uh moff gideon's uh cruiser that he's on he's not on a star destroyer but he is on a imperial cruiser and i have the feeling that yes they're gonna assault the cruiser or whatever and but i i I really think we're going to get a Jedi appearance at the end of this episode. And I do think Moff Gideon is going to somehow get away with Grogu or we're going to get the introduction of Thrawn and he's going to pull away with Grogu. Like Moff Gideon is like, Oh, I delivered, I delivered Grogu to Thrawn and, and this is how I die. He loses the, the dark saber. It goes to Mando, Mando and Boba, it continue the Mandalorian series to unite the Mandalorian people, uh, which would be really cool. And then you have the Ahsoka show and the Rangers of the New Republic combine their forces in their series, combine it with the Mando series, and then we have that climactic type of Thrawn mashup where we're spo- that they've kind of teased, not necessarily Thrawn, but they've teased a climactic uh, ending to all of these series together. But you know that's what i'm predicting the the but the internet and the fandom is kind of split on who is the jedi that grogu probably reached out to and i'm curious what you think about that john is there someone in your mind because there's just been so many crazy theories the mace windu one i do not like but is there someone <laughs> in your mind that you think is very possible i I mean, so I, I think, yeah, I think they're definitely going to st- assault uh, Moff Gideon's uh, cruiser. Um, they're going to go and try and infiltrate it and hunt Grogu down. I think ma- the Mandalorian uh, is going to get into a fight with the Beskar staff against the Darksaber with Moff Gideon. Because um, we've already seen those two weapons fight against each other in the uh, with other lightsabers. Um, so I, I think they're definitely in for a one-on-one fight. Um, I... I, I agree. I don't think he's going to get away with, with Grogu. Um, I think season three is going to start with them continuing to chase after it. Um, but I think, to be honest, if I'm if I'm looking at which Jedi they're going to introduce, I think it's going to be um, the character from Fallen Order. Yeah, baby! Because, <laughs> I mean, I if, if you were to just reach back out to Ahsoka and call her... Um, I think that'd be too cheap. It'd be too easy. And, and I, I wonder if she's going to be in the episode anyways, like if they're going to go back and pick her up because they need all the help they can get. Um, but I think for them to tease the fact that he has to reach out to someone through the force and not say who it is, I think if they didn't pay it off with someone they haven't introduced yet, then it would be for nothing. Um, and I, I mean, obviously we're, we're free limited on who it could be, um, I think probably the biggest contenders would be either the character from Fallen Order or Ezra Bridger. Yes. One of the two. Yeah. And I know some people like Mace Windu and Luke Skywalker and no. the Mace Windu one. We've already brought back like Boba Fett from the dead. Let's not do Mace Windu. And it's not that I'm I'm super opposed to it. But if you bring her back you better have a really good backstory like to it. It's got to be something believable because when we got Darth Maul back, it was like, oh, he's on another planet where someone attached spider legs to him and he's lost his mind. Like, 
there's a lot of different things that go into it. Like, okay, it's believable. He's cut himself off from the force. He's insane. And it takes his brother to find him because, you know, the, the night sisters kind of put him in that direction to be like, this is the one who will train you. And it's like, Oh shoot. It's Darth Maul. Sweet. Uh, Mace Windu, he could be dead. It's fine. Uh, but the Luke Skywalker one, my big thing against that. And Luke Skywalker is like my favorite Jedi, uh, is the idea that the the Skywalker saga is done. It's completed. And that doesn't mean that, you know, people from the saga can't be in other things. It's just that the Mandalorian is establishing itself without those main Jedi from the Skywalker saga. You have people like Ezra Bridger. You have a Cal Kestis. And the way that they've done this season, this show... Is that they're dropping they're dropping little hints of stuff from all of Star Wars, and to reintegrate it into the into the main Star Wars saga, you don't just you just I see them being very careful with everything. And Dave Filoni is taking things from Legends, like in all different sorts of places, and bringing it through the Mandalorian. These shows that that John Favreau and Dave Filoni are doing is grabbing stuff that that the fan base the hardcore fan base has read about and wish was canon so bringing in a luke skywalker is gonna dilute it of the new things you could do which is why i don't see luke skywalker being the jedi that's reached out to because then it's gonna cause more questions uh yeah 100 percent. yeah because if they were to just bring in someone from the skywalker saga um, that you're right, it would shift the focus from what this show has already identified itself as to then being just another branch of the Skywalker saga. And they've they've pretty much said that they're moving away from that with all of the future movies. So then why would they why would they rehash it with um, with something in the Mandalorian show? I mean the the Obi Wan Kenobi series is probably gonna be the closest thing we get to that. Um, because they've already confirmed that they're that Darth Vader and, and Obi-Wan are going to have a fight by the end of the series. Um, Red so October kind of... standing by. <laughs> that's a... Well, I mean, Hayden Christensen has, has come out, I think, the day after, or maybe yesterday, and confirmed that they were going to fight by the end of it. Yes, um, Kathleen Kennedy said it's the rematch of the, cent- of the century, which well, a lot of people are taking that literally. I think it's... We've talked about this. I think it's very... I think it's figurative. I, I don't think it's a literal thing. Like I said, I believe it's going to be a Red October situation because I in Legends, like Darth Vader is hunting for uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi because obviously he knows he's alive. He left him for dead. So he knows he's sending Inquisitors and all this other stuff and, and hunts to get Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's what I think we get. But I... As far as a clash, you know, we've talked about that already. Ooh, ooh, real quick. So, wh- so okay, okay, theory time. When when Grogu reaches out to somebody through the Seeing Stone, they just say that they reach out to him through the Force. They don't say which side of the Force. Um, and we already know that he's struggling between light side and dark side and trying to find his place in it all. What if it's it's a complete left turn and rather than somebody that we think that may, what if we instead of reaching out to a jedi that we know what if he reaches out to a sith that we don't know hmm 
I think that muddles the water on who's the big bad of this. Because if you reach out to a Sith, the what people the Sith in Legends that are not part of obviously not part of canon after Return of the Jedi would be Darth Talon, which is created through cloning. Uh, which people are thinking that Grogu is being is being is going to be used to make Darth Talon because it was a it, it's very complicated and crazy. Uh, so I won't go too much into it. But, you know, I, I don't uh, I, I would not like to see that. I would like to see him reach out to a Jedi who's going to help him. And then okay. if his blood is used and he dies, Grogu, and they used it to create a Sith, that would be cooler to me than just reaching out because there's not supposed to be sith just walking around enjoying their lives like they're like what we talk about the rule of two uh made by darth bane that there was darth plagueis and then there's darth sidious and then there's darth vader and darth vader is, in comics and legends has his own pawns his smaller you know apprentices like star killer played by sam Witwer in the uh force unleashed games mm-hmm. but in this instance, I don't think it's very wise to introduce more Sith into the picture because then you muddle up the rule of two. Uh, okay. So th- th- that's what I have on that. That's what I okay. think. Maybe I'm completely full of shit. <laughs> no, that's that's very fair points there. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate the theory, though. I, I would, I, <laughs> But I, I, I personally don't want a Sith. Do you want a Sith, John? No, I just... I mean, I, I'm just kind of thinking about what all could happen... Um, and maybe they're going to do a turn or take a turn that we don't expect. Um, and who knows? I mean, I do think it's going to have to be somebody that we're familiar with. Um, I don't think it would be nearly as satisfying for them just to, uh, bring in somebody and introduce them in the final five minutes of the, of the episode and then leave us sitting for another year without any idea who this person is. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think we're going to have to have some kind of closure to who it is, but I, I have, like I said, like I, I have my my theories, but I really have no idea who it could be. Well, so one of the things that I hear people talking about is, well, you brought up Cal Kestis and Cal from the video game Fallen Order. They're like, oh, they got to age him up to be like 40 years old. And then I yeah. saw people were saying like, what about Damien? What's his name? Damien Lewis, the actor from uh, Home. What is it? Home Homeland. You know who uh... I'm talking about? The The redhead. Oh, oh, him. Yeah, I know. And maybe about. his name, is, his name is Damien, but it might not be Lewis. But he, you know, from Band of Brothers, he's Captain Winters. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yo, you can make him Cal for sure. Yeah, I, I had never thought about that. But that's a great point. Yeah. But the, obviously we would get rumor like someone like him would come up on the rumor and of like they've casted this person to be in Mandalorian. Uh, so, I mean, we got Tamora Morrison like out the woodwork. So the the idea of like that one going under the radar would be really insane. So I think, and uh, Ezra Bridger, like uh, one of the one actor, Raul Coley, who did I zombie, uh, he kind of tweeted out some stuff, but he was, he looked, he's a huge star Wars fan. I've seen con- some of his content and it, he kind of had to put on Twitter like, Oh no, it's not me. He's like, he's like swearing like, Oh no, I hope I didn't screw this up. Like, he's just saying, like, man, I would really love to be in Star Wars. Come on, hit me up, uh, Lucasfilm. And then people speculate it was him. He's like, no, 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 it's not. Uh, so I, I, it'd be cool to see him as Ezra Bridger because he could do it. Um, 
that I I have no idea what they're gonna do, John. Is there someone Man. that you do want? Not speculating, but like who would you want for sure? The Jedi or the actor? The Jedi and actor. You know, give me both. <laughs> um, I mean, I I think it makes the most sense to do Ezra Bridger because if you're going to introduce Thrawn, um, that at this point they're both tied together so closely that I don't think you could have one without the other. Um, so maybe even if it's just a shot of Ezra off-world reacting to grogu's communication through the seeing stone and him like turning around and recognizing it and being drawn back to it from the outer rim um i think that would be a cool moment even if they don't have maybe like maybe at this point i don't know that they're going to have the jedi or whoever show up in the episode on the ship um i think they're going to at least pay off the fact that someone heard grogu's call um but i i i would say like i'm 70 percent sure it's going to be ezra um and as far as who i think could do it um I, to be honest i'm really not even that sure um just because i mean you could get anybody um, well who do you want that's to be honest i haven't really even thought about it that hard um uh let's let's see who could play an aged ezra it doesn't have to be Richard. that well well what of the Jedi that are available, which one do you want to see? No, Ezra is my choice. Yeah, baby. Yeah, and you haven't even finished Rebels yet, but my God, if you bring Ezra into it, uh, I would, I, that, that, that'd just be it. But I don't, I, the Cal one is very good, so I have no idea yet. So we'll see what, we'll see what goes on with that yeah henry henry golding could play a great ezra bridger um even the guy that plays beast boy on uh um from the dc titans um i think he could do a great job uh yeah i i I don't know man i i'm gonna at least just stick with ezra i'm not gonna really speculate on who could do it but um it's it's gonna be interesting to see who it is for sure yeah and we could speculate all day but uh well we we have speculated a little bit i really uh, let's just do our final thoughts on what we've seen and i I just want to get what what are your final thoughts from what we've seen so far with these three episodes uh because i'm i'm super overjoyed (laughs) (laughs) no it's probably some of the best star wars content we've we've gotten in a long time um even just like the the final shot of um of the of mando calling up to moff gideon and telling him the exact same thing that he told him um back on navarro uh, you have something that i want uh and just reframing his words in the new context um just was like haunting and just gave me chills listening to that um so they've just been ratcheting up the tension every single episode and last season's season finale was was i thought really really well done um and i think they're only going to go up from here Mm -hmm. so i i have high expectations for how this season is going to end i think now that we know they're not stopping the series anytime soon they're branching it off into all these other spinoffs um i i think they have so much to play with and it's it's going to be an incredible season finale um what about you 
Well, uh, these episodes have really established a lot of good faith for me in Star Wars as it has waned a little bit over the years with Rise of Skywalker and that whole trilogy just just terrible. Uh, This really shows me the understanding uh, like the understanding of Dave Filoni is not has never waved like has never wavered i should say dave filoni is is the george lucas uh is the george lucas protege but the combination of that with john favreau who is a really great director really has culminated in some really fantastic television and you know obviously with the success of mandalorian we saw all those announcements from disney plus it makes sense and I these past three episodes I I have been the some of I would say better than anything we got in season one even better than season one's finale the buildup that we've had the introduction getting the name of Grogu seeing even the the owl that follows Ahsoka seeing that in chapter 15 uh, for those who have seen Clone Wars is so great and I this is this is what I guess Star Trek people feel when they say like yeah we had movies but it was the show that really made Star Trek and now I feel like Star Wars has its proper show and people might say well what about Clone Wars what about Rebels yes but this is live action and I love those animated shows but this is this is something that riles up a base like you you talk about Star Wars being big before this is this is the flagship now um with what we have this this is the new generational stuff not the sequels like disney should be riding the mandalorian wave as like this is the new star wars don't talk about that other stuff we made so yeah 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 i 100 percent agree it's this is going to be the defining star wars content i think for this foreseeable future yeah, they're gonna tear down Galaxy's Edge. They're gonna make it look like Navarro, and uh, you're gonna see Mando and uh, and uh, Gina Carano walk around. Ugh. Yeah, you don't like Gina Carano. I love Gina Carano. She's just no. We've talked about this, Chris. I don't. I think. I think I it's think direction. The... I think it's direction. But you have her with all these separate directors. I mean, it's not just like she's paired up with one director. I think you just run that risk of, um, like, you cast, they cast someone for uh, for a very specific type of role that could be more physical and more physically intimidating. And I think the casting physically was great. Um, but I think they didn't really, I think, I think they got stuck with her and that she didn't do as well as maybe they expected. It's just, I, it's just not working for me. I, I think, I think what's getting you maybe is that she smiles a little bit too much, and she needs to smile less. People will be like, no, oh, she hell doesn't yeah. emote at all. You don't think she smiles at all? I don't think she emotes at all. I don't think she has any. Kind she's of smirking. She's, just she's smirking lines. the whole time, like you know. Uh, I don't know, man. It's just not doing it for me. And you know, I, I you know, and maybe, maybe it's because I'm attracted to Gina Carano. I'm giving her the, I'm giving her the pass. You're blinded by by what you see, Chris. What is it? What is the quote? It's just like, uh, so love has blinded you. No, that's <laughs> not what I meant. Your feelings blind you. It's just, it's like, uh, what was this like? Uh, I'm so madly in love, and she's like, no, no, you're so beautiful because you. I'm so in love with you, and she's like, so love has blinded you. And he's like, no, that's not what I meant. Such a stupid line. Gosh, George, what were you thinking? 
Ugh, Such a great Lucas. concept, just terribly executed. It's all Steven yeah. Spielberg's. Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg. Spielberg. Yeah. Steven Spielberg's fault that he didn't take on Star Wars. Sure. Let's go with that. I mean, you know, Lucas did reach out to all his director friends and, like, oh, hell no. It's their fault. Can you okay. imagine? Alan, uh, Alan Zemeckis directing, like, a Star Wars? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> you have like Qui-Gon Jinn look at Kenobi and he's like great Scott we have to go back oh is that Sean Connery we have to go nope nope we have to go back <laughs> went too far that time yeah too far too far but uh yeah I think that's gonna call it uh for this episode of the Mandalorian review we are excited the season finale is next week and i am so excited john is excited i can just feel his emotion through the other line of the headphones that i have here great 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 emotion you're emoting more than gina carano according to you so there we go kudos to you john uh so please uh come back with us in a week and let's get excited for the ending of mandalorian season two chapter 16 i'm so excited We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.